Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Birmingham, Alabama, it's time for Birmingham Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Birmingham Business Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Innovation Depot in Birmingham, Alabama. This is going to be a fantastic segment, Lee. I know we had a good first episode this morning. I know it's a hard act to, to follow, but uh, I think we're going to get a lot out of this. A little bit later in the program, we're going to get a chance to visit with Glenn Kinsler. He's Relationship Manager for the Client Solutions Division of an outfit called 2B Solutions. We're also going to talk to Will Wright. He's the founder of Pack Health. But first up on this episode of Birmingham Business Radio, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce our host for the day, President and CEO of Innovation Depot. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Devin Laney. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Well, Devin, can you share a little bit about Innovation Depot? What's your mission and purpose and how are you serving the community? Yeah, happy to. Uh, Innovation Depot, we're a a nonprofit uh, technology business incubation program. So our job really is to give entrepreneurs a competitive advantage in uh, attracting customers, talent, mentors, press, funding, uh, to really put them in the best position possible to grow a successful business, a successful, scalable business. So your background, what's your backstory, man? Did you have a real job before all this? Yeah, no, and I I still don't have a real job. No, it's so much fun. Um, Yeah, I I, uh, originally um, had my own business way back in college. It was a web-based business um, that kind of grew and didn't start as a business but but became a business over time and uh, was able to do that for a while and then went to work uh, for Energy Corporation, uh, managing the rebranding of their, their corporate intranet. Uh, and then went back to graduate school and then was recruited by Accenture and worked for a number of years for Accenture out of Atlanta and then saw the light and, <laughs> and, and, and left, left the corporate world and kind of came back to the early stage uh, startup world. Uh, we've been fortunate to be with Innovation Depot since we, we started this back in 2007. So now how has Birmingham as a startup city how do you feel they're doing? Um, getting there. You know, it's um, I, I feel like in the last probably two to three years, it's really been a, a significant shift and move uh, forward in that space. When we started Innovation Depot in 2007, it, we were really kind of on an island. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with about 35 companies in here, and um, it was tough, and not all of them were really true startup companies. Um, but now as we've progressed and as the community in Birmingham has continued to evolve and really support early-stage companies and entrepreneurs and technology companies, um, we've seen a, a significant growth in the quality of the startups we have, the number of, of startups we have, the kinds of entrepreneurs, and we're beginning to see young entrepreneurs now move from other places in the country to Birmingham to start their businesses. So to be part of the ecosystem. A- absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. encouraging. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're seeing people that you know, are moving from San Francisco to Birmingham or moving here from Austin, Texas, or from Orlando, Boston, different, different mm-hmm. places, and the reason is because they see and they've heard that Birmingham has great resources, has a very supportive ecosystem, um, has a great and wonderful uh, service provider network, and if you're going to raise money, your runway is a lot longer in right. Birmingham than it is in somewhere like San Francisco. Right. Ab- absolutely, and so you, you want to give yourself as long a runway as possible, and and they they see Birmingham as a, as a place to do that. Now, are you getting collaboration from the um, you know the larger 
enterprise enterprises here as well as like the university system as well so that you're all kind of working together yes absolutely so innovation depot we operate in partnership with the university of alabama at birmingham here which has, has been very important for us um, and we work closely with the business school and the school of engineering and the, the medical school as well for a lot of the technologies that are developed there that can spin out and, and, and become right. companies and then also a lot of our companies work closely with the researchers at the university, the students from the university, the different departments. So that's been a good a good partnership. The corporate community um, is something that we are actively working on to to engage more. Um, I think it's important for a community that's going to be uh, sustainable long term in supporting early stage companies that the larger corporate entities need to make a commitment to utilizing local early stage companies right. when they can. I mean, that's what has to happen for an ecosystem to really evolve. Right. And in order for these startups to kind of get a leg up and maybe get maybe their service or product beta tested in these larger companies, it's not, you don't need the companies necessarily for money where that that's helpful, but you need them to be kind of the Absolutely. guinea pigs, right? Yep. yep. You want it, 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 I can't tell you how important it is. I mean, you'll hear from, you probably have heard and you'll hear from a lot of the companies that are at the depot, how important it is when they're out selling their products or right. services or talking about their business to show mm-hmm. a local large corporation right. as a, a logo client. on the website. You got it. Even it doesn't, right. doesn't matter if it's a big project, small project, right. beta testing something just to say, you know, look, we're doing business with regions bank or we're doing business right. with blue cross blue shield. Those it makes, are, it makes that next client a little easier to kind absolutely. of take the jump because they've seen, Hey, they, tried it it must be okay absolutely and so so we're working to try to to put together processes in place as as the innovation depot to really help facilitate that mm-hmm. um whether that we're, we're looking at different ways to do it and, and and i think there are different methods we can use to accomplish the goal but everything from potentially a, a keep it local pledge that we can get corporations to sign right. on to and support to having uh industry specific uh showcases where we you know once a quarter we're going to have a healthcare showcase right. at innovation depot we're going to specifically target large corporations to come and see the kinds of companies we have here that are in that space we've even looked at maybe having some sort of a, a database where we could have suppliers and, and vendors right. you know demand side supply side be able to interact and see what's out there because that's the other problem is that the companies the large companies would use early stage companies but they don't typically know right, they're they here or know what they have. Right. So now, is there a sweet spot for you guys? Do you have specialty? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, if you'll uh, if you'll look sort of uh, through the history of the program, um, we have been very fortunate to have, uh, I would say, a strength in the healthcare space. And healthcare is very broad. So within that, I would say everything from healthcare IT to medical device to biotech, mm-hmm. it's all kind of in the healthcare space. And that's because of UAB. Right. The university and helps. It that. helps a right. ton. And we're just, we're blessed with, with wonderful healthcare in Birmingham and, and healthcare institutions. So that has been a big, a big part of it. Obviously the other pieces are things like financial services and FinTech. We have a lot of those as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think really in the, in the B2B space, B2B software space, we've had a really strong presence as well. Um, on the SaaS side. And so uh, we're, you've seen a couple of, of, of I would say, carve-outs in things like uh, cybersecurity and, and, and data mining and, and metrics. But um, if you were going to put those three, I'd say healthcare, financial services, fintech, and what I would call B2B, you know, SaaS-type type industry. 
So life here at the depot, I want to explore all the different facets, but how do you get in the club in the, in the first place? Is there an American Ninja Warrior qualification process? <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it feels like it sometimes. Um, but uh, it actually is not, it's not a bad idea. We make it. Maybe we should start <laughs> doing that. I, we would probably cut our occupancy down a tremendous, a tremendous amount. No, it's, uh, we look at uh, a few things. So really it's the first thing is, is coming and sitting down and meeting with us and talking with us. And, and I say us, meaning our staff staff here, our team. So we're looking for things like, uh, is this a full-time commitment from the entrepreneur? Uh, is this something that we think has got growth potential? Is it scalable? Do, they, do we think the business model makes sense? And um, it, have they really done any type of true market validation? And for us, market validation means have you convinced someone or something, some entity to give you money? Because just coming to us and saying, oh, I've got a great idea. I've asked all my friends and family. My they all say it's it. a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, it's a great idea. That's not market validation, <laughs> right. right? So we say, have you convinced either someone as a customer, even if it's a beta, so someone as a customer to give you money, an investor to give you money, or the government in the form of a grant mm -hmm. to give you money? And so otherwise you have an idea. Right. Right. And so we look at the market validation aspect, and then we want to make sure that we can help them uh, with resources and help them really grow and, and mature as a business. Because this isn't just about an office, right? No. They get a lot more than that. Absolutely. Or some of that. Yeah. Um, I think it's that's probably one of the most important pieces is that if you talk with any entrepreneur here, they'll tell you that that the reason that they're here typically falls into one of three areas. First is going to be the resources. So it's access to resources. It's uh, introductions to resources. Um, you know, I, I and know. how are you defining resource? What's a resource? So, so attorneys, accountants, um, sales professionals, marketing professionals, uh, anything that really you need to have in place as you're growing your business. And it, and it varies. I mean, it's, it's everything from I need someone to help me with a logo to, oh, my gosh, I have a term sheet and I have no idea what what to do with it or what it looks, is mm -hmm. this a good one or a bad one or I don't know. So it sort of runs the gamut between those. Um, so resources, access to resources is important. Second thing is going to be the flexibility and the scalability of the space. So here we encourage companies and entrepreneurs to take the smallest space they can take when they start out. Don't worry about three months, six months, 10 months, focus on right now. They're not locked into anything long-term. Um, if they need to, if they hire more people, which is what we hope, and they grow and they need larger space, they can come to us. We'll try to find a space that works for them. They can move into that space. There's no uh, penalty to move. They don't break any kind of a lease. There's right. no sublease or anything. The rent will change if they go to a larger space or if they can go back to a smaller space. Uh, it's typical so it, for it just flexes with their kind of circumstance. That's it. That's it. And it's, it's all, it's what it, it does is it solves the cash flow or it helps solve the cash right. flow problem. Because these rents are, are relatively modest compared they are. to the market. Is that accurate? That is correct. Yeah. I mean, I would say you're probably, you're below a class A market rate here for the space here. And it's a fully loaded number. So, I mean, you pay rent, you don't pay for utilities or conference rooms or parking or security or, you know, any of the common things mm -hmm. you're just paying rent. So it helps you control your costs. And as you are growing your business and scaling your revenues, then you can scale and grow your expenses along with it. You're not trying to grow revenue to catch right. up to expenses, <laughs> which is what most startup right, companies exactly. do, and they end up right. Out They're of behind at go. That's it. And then the third piece, the third big reason is the culture. So it feels a lot different. You guys have had a chance, I think, to walk oh, around yeah, some. Sure. It feels a lot different here, and we do a lot of things socially. 
Um, we do a thing today at four o'clock. Depot Connect. You guys are welcome to stick around for that if you want. Sounds like um, fun to me. Margarita Mondays. <laughs> yeah. Did I see something about that? <laughs> we can do those too. <laughs> um, but it, but they're just it's great events to try to encourage and facilitate interaction among the entrepreneurs because that's an important piece as well. We we do a lot of training and workshops. Where we bring in experts um, to to work with the companies, but a really key piece of that whole equation is the value they derive from being around each other. Right. The community. You got, yeah, it. You got it. And just the learning from each other. I mean, mm-hmm. you can walk down the hall and, and hear from other entrepreneurs who have either been through the same thing or going through the same thing, made a big mistake and learned something. So you're constantly around all of that. And I think it really helps. Now, how do you foster that sense of community? Do you have organized activities? Is there like a community director or somebody that's kind of uh, facilitating some of the, so some of the serendipity can occur? There is. Yeah. yeah. So um, we have someone on our staff here. She, um, she's really sort of the, the jack of all trades. She kind of handles scheduling all of our events and our workshops and resources, as well as helping to organize a lot of the social and community mm-hmm. activities we, we provide. And then we're also partnered with uh, many, many other, what I would call sort of ecosystem partners. So organizations like Tech Birmingham, the Birmingham Venture Club, Bio Alabama, um, all of these different organizations, we work with them very closely on different events and and, and working together. For so there is topics. that collaboration. There are other people that are doing not a similar thing, but a, um, kind of on the uh, periphery of you, yes. right? And then, yes. but you're all working together. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. And you have some enterprise level organizations or or well established organizations that are also providing uh, some level of resource, whether it's direct. Funding or yes, mentoring and that kind of thing. Yes, and we're trying to increase that um, even more than than we have. You know, historically, it's always been on a very I don't want to say case by case basis, but it almost ha- has been that. I mean, if we knew a certain company was looking for a certain resource, we would try to go find a partner or find someone to help them. What we're trying to do now is really move in the direction of um, where what are the the larger, um, more national, international firms in this space that a lot of our companies use and can we work with them? So like right. Amazon web services and mm-hmm. Google for entrepreneurs and Microsoft, um, Azure and all these different organizations we've had conversations with and are, and are partnering with so they can provide sort of array of services to our companies. So more services for the uh, people that are incubating. Correct. Here. Yes. Correct. Well, I got to tell you, your reputation, uh, precedes you the way that you got on our radar screen. If you, if you don't know is, uh, we're a client of, uh, Warren Averett. Yeah. And, um, we also were doing some work in Pensacola, Florida, which is another place that we intend to establish a permanent studio. And uh, the lady down there, Kelly uh, Reeser, who runs the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, as we were broadcasting down there, she said, you guys got to talk to Devin. I mean, if you're, if you're going to, to Birmingham. So, I That's mean, very kind. Your, your, your wingspan uh, stretches, uh, you know, well beyond Interstate 20, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Thank, thank you very much. And I will say, <laughs> and, and I, I appreciate that, and I will say, I think that is one of the most valuable things, um, and it's good to hear you say it, that uh, that our partners and our supporters can do for us, and that, it, like, like, you mentioned Warren Averett. Yeah. Longtime supporters of Innovation Depot um, work with many of our companies here, and I think truly understand the early stage culture and the early stage, the, the needs of early stage companies. But to have those individuals 
being advocates and ambassadors for what we're doing it means everything in the world. Absolutely, it? I mean that's 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 that means more than than any kind of you know press or anything we get is those types of referrals and those types of 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 people out spreading the word about right, what's evangelizing. going on. That's Absolutely. an important component. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned culture is an important component. Um, how do you, as the CEO, kind of foster that in your people? How, any tips for entrepreneurs out there? Because culture is so important in a growing organization. It's very important. I think uh, one of the, the biggest things for us is to realize that in, in when I took over, it was uh, sort of a shift for us a little bit, but it was, it was making sure that everything we do as a team, everything we do is aligned with one of those three things that I mentioned. And not just externally to the companies, but also internally for us as a team as well too. So making sure that, that you really drive that home and you align, you know, sort of your mission and your vision. Um, and then the other thing is, I think it's really important to maintain a flexible, supportive environment for your employees, especially with a small team, because we all work. No, no one on our team works 40 hours a week. No one's coming and clocking in and clocking out every day right. at eight and leaving at five. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So we have to be flexible with each other and understand that there are going to be days when people are going to be here a lot longer and there are going to be days when they need to go do something else, mm-hmm. take care of family or something. So we have to have that flexibility. We moved away from a very stringent uh, you know, sick day, vacation day policy to a very much more flexible just PTO policy. So there are a lot of things like that that we do. We do a lot of team building exercises as well mm-hmm. um, internally. But I think it's important to make sure that Everyone on your team understands how important their role is and how critical it is to the overall success. Now, when you're, um, there's a lot of coaching that goes on. Isn't that part of the services or resources yes. that are available? Mm-hmm. Do you have things that you're coaching these um, budding entrepreneurs on on building a the strong culture? <clears throat> we, you know, the coaching and the the workshops. Typically, we go out and bring people in to do those, mm-hmm. and we do try to make sure that that's a topic we cover. Um, it's one of those things I feel like you, you can't ever talk about cash flow too much. You can't ever talk about <laughs> culture too much. Right. You can't ever talk about making sure that you're protecting yourself, you know, from a legal standpoint too much. And, and so we kind of hit a lot of those things over and over and over and over because they are really mm-hmm. important, especially for a startup company that's establishing itself when you don't have oftentimes a big salary to offer. The things you can offer are culture. Yeah. Right? The flexibility, maybe buying in people that really buy into the right, mission, mission and the vision of the what you're trying why. to do. Yeah. You got it. That's it. So I have some hard stats from 2014 here on page three yes. of the Magic brochure. <laughs> uh, two of the most impressive for me, of course, uh, at the top of the list is over 300 games of ping pong played. That's right. <laughs> Which That's is, right. no, that means a lot to that me. That was his major. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you to the table tennis back there if you want to see it. Uh, but no, I see right here in the middle over 100 training and connecting events. You had 122 applicants. You got 12 graduate companies. I want to come back to that idea of a graduate company. Yep. Uh, 23 new member companies. 120 news articles on depot uh, companies. I mean, you guys are accomplishing a great deal. I would also like to dive into though maybe a little bit of uh, more anecdotal uh, information, particularly. In your position, you must you must uh, have an opportunity to see patterns yep. among entrepreneurs, both negative and positive. So I'd be interested to know, and I think our listeners would too, what are some of the, the more common mistakes that you see and what are some of the things that you've seen and, and would advise almost any entrepreneur to at least to pursue, pursue the idea of trying to emulate that? Yeah, 
Uh, great question. Um, and, and you know, I thought it was a fantastic question. It took me a little while to get it out, but I thought it was a marvelous question. <laughs> well, it went, went, if, if, if I understood it properly, <laughs> yes. Um, no, it's. Uh, I think the one of the one of the common problems that we see over and over and over, and I alluded to it a moment ago, is cash flow and entrepreneurs not understanding cash flow because so so many times entrepreneurs equate sales to cash or to cash flow. Mm, yeah. You know, we'll have conversations because we meet, we're meeting with the companies on a regular daily basis and talking about different things. And I'll say, how did you do this month? You know, it's the last day of the month. How'd you do? Oh, great month of sales. Oh, our highest month ever in sales. I'll say, great. Well, how are you looking on the receivable side? Well, you know, we not not as not as good on the receivable side, but boy, it's a great month in sales. <laughs> I still have checks left. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and you look at the watch and you go, "Well, you got you know about about four hours left to, to take care of those receivables because sales don't equal cash." And at right. the end of the day, I mean, if you're running a business, making payroll, handling those expenses, right. That's critical, and most entrepreneurs, if you, the ones that fail, the ones that have troubles, it's usually around cash flow, not understanding cash flow. So that's number one. Mm. The second thing I would say is is um, an undercapitalization. When they go and they're beginning to put together the plan and they're going out to raise funds, they'll typically think, "Well, I really need three million dollars, but I could probably do it for one." And they don't really want to ask for three, so they ask for one or whatever the numbers are. But they end up really undercapitalizing, so they they're not able not able to achieve and fully implement the plan. Right, that escape velocity. That's they it. Need, right? No, they're not. So, so they they so then they got to go back to the well again and try to raise Which more is, money and with less results. You're right. So now so, it's even harder. It is, and so the undercapitalization is a big issue. Um, and then the third, I think, is sometimes that people are not willing to. It's tough. There, are, it's tough to find the entrepreneurs that are always willing to to listen to the coachability. Yeah, there it is. Yep, you said it. The coachability, the advice, the willingness to to listen to other people say, "Well, you know, I really think you should do this or look at this," and you can tell the successful entrepreneurs, the ones that have done it multiple times, because they're very quick to ask and they're very quick to say, "Gosh, you know, I just don't know." Do you know someone that can help with right, this? Right, because they want the solution. They don't care how That's it right. comes. <laughs> That's right. And the ones typically early on that you're talking with who have, I call it founderitis, they, they, <laughs> it's, it's, their, it's their business. They know best. Right. They're the founder. Right. And, and, you know, thanks, but they're, they know best. And, they, and, and it's, it's a, they don't want to give the appearance that they don't Right, know. like being vulnerable is somehow a weakness it is. It is. when it really isn't. They don't want to say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Or I don't right. really know what to do in this situation. So they just don't either do anything or they, they think they Google something and they read something and they make a decision right. off that. And it ends up costing them down the road um, and becoming a much bigger problem to fix if they can fix it when they could have just maybe gone and sought some help early on or listened to some help early right. on. So those are kind of the three Things you, you see, see over and over and over that are kind of the common issues. So graduating companies, speak to that a little bit because there must yeah. be some exit process here and we're all yeah. doing backflips when they do, typically, it is. right? Yeah, it's, yeah, okay. um, we, you know, we have a very, what I would call a very organic process for that. You know, a lot of incubators, accelerators, um, I think it's a mistake to put, I'll call them artificial metrics in place to say, well, uh, you know, once you hit X number of dollars in revenue, you have to graduate or once you have been here X number of months, you have to graduate. Um, I feel like that's a one size fits all. 
Right. And, and we try our best to really look at it on a company-by-company company basis. Has this company built a solid model? Has this company really matured? Have they stabilized their cash flow? Do we feel like they could graduate out of here and be able to absorb um, you know, the, the ups and downs of being in business? Because here, we take a lot of that lumpiness out, if that right. makes sense. Right? Yeah. We, do, we do a lot to take a lot to, to reduce a lot of that lumpiness. And so we try to look at it on a case-by-case basis because I can't tell you, if, if we had had a sort of artificial metrics in place that said, okay, once you hit you know, $3 million in revenue, you're out, you have to go. Well, I've had companies, we've had companies here that have hit $3 million in revenue in 18 months. And then by month 20, they're back down to you know, struggling to, to yeah. cash flow. Right. So if we'd kicked them out, they'd, right. be, out they'd be out of business. So we have to be able to look at it on a company by company basis. And, and look at it kind of more in the long term yeah. rather than this kind yes. of a quarter by quarter mentality that a lot of businesses have. Absolutely. And I think that's a, and I may get, I get criticized for this sometimes, but I think that's a mistake um, with a lot of the accelerator models around mm-hmm. the country. They've gotten a lot of attention lately and they're, you know, they're all very similar. You come in, we'll give you three months, we're going to give you some money and at the end of three months, you're out. Right. Well, they've in th- at the end of three months, you, you may have built a really good product, but you haven't necessarily built a good business. Right. And so what happens is you've built a good product and you throw it out the door and the people have no idea. And it's like, hope you can fly. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it you know, and, I, and I see both sides of that, but our job really is to really have uh, focus on, on having sustainable companies long term right. that are going to contribute economically to our region, have an economic impact that we can look back and say, okay, Look at these companies. Look at the impact they're generating. Look what we've done with jobs. Look what we've done with with investment. We want growing companies long term, not quick get them in and out just because we want to have the numbers look good. We want to really see long term su- success. What a marvelous and, and noble mission, and I have no doubt that you're going to continue to fulfill it. Where do you think you're going to be investing your energy and the energy of your um, staff, maybe in, in the in the coming six? To, to, to eight months any particular focus yes uh great question thanks another great that's question it is Man, and, and, that, and that one didn't take as long to get out as the first one i think so. that's personal best for you <laughs> so i have longer to answer um for us the the opportunity for innovation but we have been very successful uh we've been around a long time and it's 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 great and wonderful to say good job aren't we successful? But the opportunity is that if we don't continue to evolve and do the things we need to do, we won't be as relevant in five years because entrepreneurs are evolving and what entrepreneurs need and the services they need and the resources they need have evolved a lot. Even in just the last five years, they've evolved a lot. So for us, it was looking at where are the areas where we can have an impact and we can continue to evolve the program. So we're we're launching several new programs. We're launching one this fall called Depot University, Depot U, which is a 10-week uh, software developer boot camp. Very intense. It's a you know, full-time, five days a week, eight, ten hours a day, 10 weeks. You'll come into it. Really don't have to have a whole lot of background uh, knowledge in software development. We get everybody up to a basic level before they even start the class. And then for 10 weeks, you're really immersed in it. And then you come out at the end, you'll be an entry-level software developer. You know, And the starting salary for that in Birmingham is about $60,000. So we want to increase the talent pool. We want our companies here to have access to that kind of talent. So you're growing your own. That's it, growing our own. And so I feel like that's something that we're really focused on, at least short-term, to see see how that's going to look. The class will kick off in September. We want to cap it at about 20 people. 
I think we've had something like 50 applicants already for it, which wow. is great. So you can so, see there's a need. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. And we've talked with a lot of our corporate partners around town as, as well. And, and they all say, gosh, this is a need for us as well, yeah. too. I mean, you know, technology talents. Yeah, a big that's need. like the unemployment rate for those people are like negative. You're right. You can't find them. Yeah. You end up hiring the same people <laughs> yeah, that keep, right. you know, swapping Jumping them around. Jobs, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's near term, you know, long term. I mentioned we're wanting to, um, probably have some type of an accelerator program, but really geared more towards specific milestones, uh, have some funding tied to it as well. Maybe around those verticals that I mentioned, the healthcare, the FinTech, and maybe the B2B space, uh, bring in a fellowship component to that as well too. So we're doing a lot of different things to c- continue to evolve our program to make sure that we're as relevant going forward as we are today. And the website is innovationdepot.org, right? .org, that's right. Yep. Well, I am so glad that we had an opportunity to visit with you. Thank you so much for inviting us, opening up your facility to us. Uh, this has been marvelous, and uh, we've only been here for the morning. Uh, I'd like you to hang out with us a little while, if, yeah, if you will. We're going to uh, have a conversation with a couple of other entrepreneurs. Here. One or both, maybe tenants here. I, uh, yes, they actually the next the next two are. Yeah, All right, well, we'll stay so you can keep them in check. Will I you? will, and and if it's anything bad, then uh, <laughs> uh, their rents can always increase. <laughs> that's right. It's, it can flex in the other direction. <laughs> that's, right? that's right. Now, listen, guys, thank you for being here. I appreciate the exposure. Um, we hope you'll come back as well, and uh, we're happy to support what you're doing. So, well, thanks. thank you. We're, we're looking forward to it. We're going to take you up on it. Uh, and we're going to find a way to have a permanent presence here in the Birmingham market. This is uh, th- obviously everything that's happening here is just wholly consistent with our own value system, our own mission. And uh, we're going to continue to collaborate uh, together and, and make those things happen. Great. Thanks. All right. Next up on Birmingham Business Radio today, we have with us Relationship Manager with 2B Solutions. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Glenn Kinsler. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm very good. Thanks. You well, get in there, Glenn. You got to get it. Yeah, don't, don't be afraid close. of that microphone. Karaoke close. Uh, All right. Is that you learn any? Yeah, that's a good job. Uh, did you learn anything about Devin that you didn't already know? Um, well, I'll, I'll say honestly, not really. I've known Devin <laughs> for several years, uh, and uh, before I uh, started with this company, and uh, I've known him personally for a number of years. We're actually kind of neighbors, uh, so I've known Devin for a long time, and I understand his. Um, passion for what he does he's done a great job so so tell us a little bit about uh, about your organization what kind of problems are you solving what uh, what are you out there doing for folks yeah sure uh well thanks again uh we are a um, we, we specialize in really two things inventory and asset management solutions for really all kinds of businesses and also uh, crm solutions or customer relationship management solutions uh, based on the Microsoft Dynamics CRM platform. So uh, the company really started, actually we're an older company, we are not a really a startup per se uh, here at Innovation Depot. The company was founded in 2003, and we started writing software for barcode scanners uh, that uh, for inventory management purposes. Mm-hmm. So if you've gone to like a Home Depot or a Lowe's and you've seen you know, a stock guy walk around with uh, one of these big industrial right, barcode like scanners, sure. we wrote software for those. Um, so that's really how we started. Um, we came here into Innovation Depot in 2007, I believe, right after it first opened. Um, so the inventory management solutions and CRM have kind of been like two separate lines of businesses within our company uh, as we've grown, but those are starting to uh, actually converge going forward. So uh, on the CRM side, we have done um, uh, solutions for all kinds of businesses, really accounting firms, 
healthcare companies, technology companies. Uh, we've been working with the University of Alabama uh, for about. Man, a we year keep now. hearing that these, these UAB folks <clears throat> must be some very collaborative and entrepreneurial-minded folks. Well, actually, we've worked with UAB and UA. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, but we're actually now, you know, really trying to um, trying to focus a bit more in the type of solutions uh, that we uh, develop, rather than kind of start from square one with every new project, uh, really focus more on repeatable processes and some industry niches. Now, can you talk a little bit about your sales process? Like, what's the pain a company's having uh, when they call you? Oh, wow, great question. So for the two different... Yeah, I got a great question, too. (laughs) (laughs) So for inventory management, it's typically uh, businesses that just don't know... uh, what is going on inside of their warehouse. You know, they don't know what they have on the shelf. There's businesses that that's really an issue? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Really? (laughs) How is that possible? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, there there are a number of businesses that uh, are a bit laggards, I guess you would say, (laughs) technology-wise. So, like, they're manually counting? Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Manual like accounting or using spreadsheets <laughs> or using clipboards. or So we help streamline a lot of those processes and, and really bring real time data mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to the company on, on the CRM side. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's organizations that need a better handle on what are their customer service activities? What does their sales pipeline look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are their best customers? Uh, who are their best salespeople? Things like that. You know, people can guess at a lot of that kind of information, but a good solid CRM solution can provide you with uh, really good metrics to measure uh, certain things. So some companies buy a CRM system and then they don't know how to really get the most out of it. Do you help them in that area? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, we do, and we, and we really like to take on CRM projects that are more than just sort of your classic customer, you know, contact management kind of thing. Uh, we like to really talk with companies. Really, when we approach a new CRM client, we, we we like to kind of stand in front of a whiteboard like that one on the wall and talk about internal processes rather than software. You know, we want to know what kind of process they have internally, what are their issues, what are they, where do they want to go, and then we'll talk about software and see how what we can provide can mold around their existing processes. So back to uh, the first part of, uh, of, of Lee's question, are they actually calling you? How does the sales and marketing thing work for you? Is your phone ringing? Is, are people knocking on you? Are you out there having to drum up some of these? Well, fortunately, uh, at the moment, uh, we're getting a, a lot of inbound leads. Uh, we have really spent a lot of time and effort and a fair amount of money in uh optimizing our website for search for some specific keywords Mm -hmm. and uh we're getting you know candidly a lot of inbound leads from people all over the country and really internationally as well and you can serve them that you you don't have to just operate here locally sure absolutely i mean we do love face-to-face time don't get me wrong with uh with clients but it's not a necessity uh we have a client excuse me in crm space we have one in Seattle, one in Omaha, Nebraska. We have one in Boston. We have one in northern New Mexico. Um, really, all over the country. We have a number here locally, obviously, and and we do like to spend time with them face to face. But it's not a requirement. So now, um, you, since you've been here at Innovation Depot for a while, how have you seen it change? Well, the parking lot's full. I'll tell you <laughs> that. Um, 
Um, you know, it has really matured, I guess. Uh, it's really kind of, uh, and, and I don't mean to say that, that everybody in here is old, or, uh, <laughs> uh, but it is, uh, it, it has really grown up, I guess, is, is maybe a better way to describe it. Um, it's so much a part of the community now. Um, it's really ingrained in, in the community. And it, when you talk to people outside of Innovation Depot, people at other businesses, you know, now more than ever, when you say, oh, our company is in Innovation Depot, they know immediately what you're talking about. Um, so before that you maybe had wasn't it, the case five or six years ago, but you had today to explain it, it to them. Sure. Yes. <laughs> well, now yeah. you're not only not having to explain it, there's actually some, well, how do you say that word? Sachet? Some credibility. Cachet. So Cachet. Cachet, yeah. yeah. There's some of that. What is sachet? Is that like a dance step? I think, so. I think <laughs> so, yes. Okay. But there's, no, that it actually, it's not just that you don't have to explain it. It actually means, oh, that guy's an innovation deep. Right, absolutely. Uh, when you do mention it to people, people say, oh, yeah, do you like it there? Of course, yeah, absolutely. So it, it kind of becomes a conversation piece. People tend to ask questions about it. Uh, in fact, I talked with a, a prospect um, last week who is uh, interested, perhaps, in getting some space here. Devin, we probably need to talk about that a little bit later. But And the um, commission structure. That right. that. Well, that settles it but, for me. Uh, I'm keeping the sticker and I'm scratching out visitor <laughs> if, 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 it, if it comes with that kind of credibility. But it is, it is a place where people want to come. So now in the growth of your company, what are the what are you doing? What's next for you guys? Well, uh, we're definitely trying to specialize more in some industry niches. And, you know, I will say that we're kind of drifting away from your classic um, CRM solution towards more strategic offerings, I guess. Um, and then on, on the inventory, actually, we're, we're building a, a complete inventory management solution based on the Microsoft Dynamics CRM platform. Um, uh, to provide uh, businesses, really small and medium-sized businesses, uh, a better inventory management solution. Um, a lot of the inventory management solutions out there are very expensive. A lot of them are based on accounting packages, which are very complicated, and they really don't surface the data that people want to see very easily. So mm -hmm. uh, with the dynamic CRM platform, it's so flexible, it's so customizable, parts of it are very easy. Um, I think we're building a better mousetrap for that. Well, one of the themes that I'm picking up here in, in listening to you articulate what you do, how you do it, why you do it, is while the, the solution may largely be technical, uh, so much of your business comes down to relationship. It, it, it sounds like the way you talk about the way you have to or you choose to, to converse with your prospective clients, your existing clients, find out about their processes. And their, is, is that accurate? Sure, absolutely. I mean, we want to help them solve a problem. At the end of the day, um, they've approached us candidly with some need that they have, and we want to dive in, find out about that needs. How? What are the implications of it? How is it affecting them? What can we do to help? Um, and are we a good fit? You know, honestly, we're not a good fit all the time, but um, we feel like in certain cases uh, that we can really help them streamline processes, save time, save headaches too. You know, a lot of a lot of our conversations come down to ROI, which is certainly important, but uh, I like to talk about the headache factor as well. You know, when people <laughs> are looking for data that they can't find, it's very frustrating. It slows them down. It complicates things. And so when you can provide people with the data they need at their fingertips, you know, it just works. It's just great when things work like they're supposed to. You but know? The, the trust level that this must 
required because I, if I'm letting you into, if I'm inviting you into my enterprise at that level, I mean, I really have to trust you because if you're not who you are and what you say you are, I mean, that you could really hurt me too. Right? I mean, it, there must be a great deal of trust b- between you and your client. Sure. I, I, I think that there is, absolutely. And, and we, can, we can talk their language. You know, we can talk their language of, of business. Um, we don't just talk about gigabytes and uh, data tables and technology jargon. You know, we really talk about business stuff. And you want to get to the heart of what they're really trying to solve, not just sell them something. Right. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we, we want to help them solve a problem that they have. So um, you're in good shape. You're making money. You've got a successful company, but surely you have some some challenges or some hurdles as well. What are some of the near-term uh, hurdles that you're looking to clear? Um, yeah, great question. Uh, I, I think that <clears throat> we've... We've done so many different projects, uh, and, and, and as I mentioned before, we're trying to specialize in some industry niches and some repeatable processes. And so part of our problem is really really determining what those are, uh, what makes the most sense for us strategically, uh, where can we become subject matter experts, you know, what pays well, <laughs> you know, things like that. So, right. <clears throat> excuse me, we have definitely been putting a lot of time and energy uh, and research over the last, I would say, year plus to uh, determine where we need to focus. And, and we've sort of zeroed in on uh, some aspects of healthcare. Um, <clears throat> as I mentioned earlier, we've, we've done some work with the universities, and uh, we feel like we can offer these solutions to more universities across the country, uh, and also the legal space as well. So focus. You have all this so much opportunity. A challenge can be <clears throat> picking a a, a market target, or right. two. What That's is it right. you say? You have your, Lee has this niches brings you riches. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> uh, so where can our listeners go to to learn more? Maybe have a substantive conversation with you or someone on your team about some of these topics. Sure. To uh, be solutions.net. And that's the number two, right? It is, yes. Thank you very much. It's uh, two, number two, and B, solutions, uh, .com or .net. We'll take you to our website. There's uh, a lot of good stuff on there. We're really very active in creating content. Uh, we're constantly pushing out uh, blog articles, case studies, things like that. I should have probably mentioned earlier, uh, we are a, a Microsoft partner. We're a Microsoft Silver Level partner for CRM. And, they don't uh, just hand that out either, by the way. They do not. No. no. Um, I, I really I don't know the number, I guess, of silver and gold partners across the country, but I'm going to say it's less than 100. So, oh, wow. So we have, we have um, you know, passed some certifications and some testing requirements from Microsoft, and we're developing a, um, a closer relationship from them. Uh, they're really much more hands-on uh, lately with us, uh, helping us. Um, steer in some certain directions and also actually providing us some some very very good leads as well so uh, before we wrap and I'm going to uh, circle back and ask both of our other guests in this episode this uh, same question but what's on your nightstand what are you reading that uh, that you oh gosh I should have brought it in here with me I'm reading a book called the challenger sale uh-huh. and I cannot think of the author's name off the top of my head but it's really very interesting and it's um you know, you can't be all things to all people. 
uh, I guess that goes back to the niches as well. And so, uh, you know, companies have to realize that they're providing a very valuable service for their clients. Um, they need to take pride in it. They need to get paid for it. And you can't just let clients kind of push you over. So uh, you also have to challenge the thinking of your clients as well, uh, or prospects, I should say. A lot of people come to the table with a lot of, um, you know, preconceived notions of what a solution should look like and certainly how much a solution should cost. And you should challenge their thinking in that process. Fantastic. What a, that's a great that's way a great, to get a book recommendation. Yeah, that's a great book, The Challenger Sale. The Challenger Gosh, Sale. I, that's I right. We'll put our research team yeah. on it, and we'll, we'll have that here in Highly just a minute. Highly recommend it. Uh, and For one anybody more time. in sales, I'll say that. Yeah. Well, one more time, uh, coordinates. So the uh, website, website address. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, 2bsolutions.com. All uh, right. And uh, we're also on Twitter, at 2bsolutions. Uh, so check us out. Okay. Well, stay with us, if you will. We're sure. gonna we're gonna uh, visit with another gentleman and swing back to to Devin. So please hang hang out with us for a little bit, if you will. Uh, Devin, you have to be absolutely beaming with pride. Yeah, you got a clock in, Devin. <laughs> yeah, wake up, Devin. I'm still here. Wake I'm still up, here. Uh, you got to be absolutely beaming with pride when you can invite a, 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 a tenant like that, sit down, have a conversation, and hear how articulate they are, how passionate they. It must be very rewarding work for you. It is, and I, and I tell you, that's the reason. It's the reason that I that I do it, and it's, I think it's the reason that anyone either is an entrepreneur or works with entrepreneurs because they're passionate about it and they enjoy it. And I can't say that that the the smart folks you're hearing from today are the exception because this building is full of of really smart, incredibly innovative people that I that I'm just so proud of. And you know, and I, I say it over and over, but I would put the startup companies here at Innovation Depot, I would stack them up against startup companies in Silicon Valley or Boston or Austin, Texas. I mean, the, the things that, that these folks are doing are as innovative and will change lives, change industries uh, in ways that, that I think we're, we're still seeing, just beginning to really understand and see how they're all having an impact but uh, you're going to hear you have heard and you're going to continue to hear from just incredible ones so I, it does make me very proud so what is on your nightstand or your kindle or gosh i have a whole stack i've got about 15 <laughs> books that i have that I've, i keep saying oh you should read this one you should read it. i keep adding them, adding them to the list i just finished up a book um it's sitting actually down there on my on my um uh table in my office it's called the oh and you would put me on it put me on the spot Oh gosh, I can't think of the name of it. It's um. Oh gosh, I'll go. I'm gonna go grab it and bring it and show it to you. It's <laughs> right. I can't. Yeah, it, we'll but but it, it talks. It talks about essentially how uh, really you know, the startups and technology and the culture around startups and technology and how that is really becoming sort of um, the go-to or a viable career option now for people, which, you know, years ago mm -hmm. it was always, Oh, get out of college, go get a big, get go a get job, a job somewhere. Right. Now create your own job. Yeah. And it, and it's all about that. I cannot remember the name well, of it. That's right. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out in a little bit, but I'll tell you one thing, you know, we asked you about patterns earlier. One pattern that, that we see a lot is entrepreneurs read and they don't necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. have to get value out of every page of the book. If they come out of that book with one, idea one way to, to articulate or re-articulate something they've been trying to say and my experience has been that entrepreneurs successful entrepreneurs are very avid readers so yeah we'll get through that book in a little while no worries uh so hang in there with us don't okay. fall asleep on me uh lee you ready for the headliner all right in this episode i mean everybody's been very patient waiting on this guy uh please join me uh in welcoming ceo and co-founder with pack health mr 
Will Wright. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. We are delighted to have you. So, Pack Health, uh, what are you out there doing for folks? Yeah, so we provide a structured, bundled service that can help people who get diagnosed with uh, chronic diseases, especially high-cost chronic diseases like diabetes or cancer, uh, simplify and manage those diseases so that they get healthier uh, uh, in many ways, more satisfied with the care that they receive, and then oftentimes actually save money um, directly for the patient, but then, of course, for insurance companies and folks who pay for health care. Uh, for those folks as well. So he's so, answered that question before. Yeah, that, think, was, that was incredibly that articulate. Sounds like he's been part of these <laughs> pitch events before. That, that's what that sounds like. Now, tell me, like, if a person has diabetes right now, what is their typical? If they don't know about Pack Health, how are they dealing with it? Yeah. So, as you're probably aware, um, the average doctor's office visit is pretty quick. Um, Six minutes or less. Right. So, you know, you wait for four hours. You kind of get in to see the you doctor. It's, it's a quality six minutes, though. That's right. Um, but when it comes to diabetes, you're, you're typically figuring it out for yourself at home. And for about a third of people, that actually is okay. Uh, many, many times people just get that diagnosis and, and do a lot of the lifestyle changes that they might need. But for those other two-thirds, um, you know, they're kind of stuck in the lurch. Now, you can either go, you know, to the library or online and try to figure it out yourself but as we all know, changing behaviors, changing habits, and really trying to focus on the right behaviors and the right habits is hard. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, a lot of folks um, struggle with it. And, you know, as, we know, as we've seen in Alabama, they often say that we're in the, the diabetes belt here, and Alabama is the buckle of that belt. Uh, you know, diabetes has been growing. Is, that just, is it lifestyles because we all eat fried chicken? Or what's the deal? What, do we know why? It's a, it's a bit it's of a combination. It's the fried chicken. It's not just fried chicken, uh, let's be honest. But um, it's a bit of a combination. You know, culture is really powerful. Um, and, uh, but on top of that, there's a number of, of health system type factors, hmm. as well okay. as um, some other less well-known factors uh, just in how we are. Is it sedentary lifestyle? More? So uh, diet and exercise are important. Um, and they definitely are part of the process. You know, what you drink and what you eat. Um, is about 80% of the question when it comes to, to weight. 80%? 80%. <laughs> wow. So um, as the research is, is coming to show. But, uh, you know, there's a number of other things that, you know, specific checks that you need to make, that you need to have done, uh, accessing the healthcare system in a way that, that is most appropriate. And uh, it's, it's, it's critical that folks sort of feel comfortable in being able to do that. Um, and I'm talking, you know, diabetes is actually the leading cause of amputations in this country. I think few people understand that. Right. So, you know, getting in to see a podiatrist or, you know, diabetes is the leading cause of blindness in this country. So getting in to see an ophthalmologist who's going to check those eyes before you go blind is critical. And oftentimes, at least in the systems factor, there's, there's fewer of those folks here in the state. So now, um, so now I have diabetes and I'm going to, uh, work with Pack Health. Mm-hmm. So now, what what happens? Yeah. So we, you know, you'll get that diagnosis in that six minutes, and then, on top of a prescription, let's say for metformin or for insulin, um, you'll actually get uh, now a prescription for uh, extended support through Pack Health. And what you end up getting is um, tools that we deliver to your door. So there's no need to be complicated, and it works for grandma, right? We'll send it to your house, and then you actually get partnered with a health advisor. In many ways, this is a non-clinical coach who's going to help you break down all of the changes that oftentimes you need to figure out uh, step-by-step over the course of 12 weeks. So we we have a 12-week intensive program, which is typically the length between doctor's office visits. Mm -hmm. You come back Hmm. to your doctor now healthier, happier, um, a little bit more 
compliant so that next six minutes that you're paying <laughs> that $20 copay for is that much more uh, effective. Because right now, if they don't use you or they just try to figure this out on their own, they read something or they see that, okay, I got to eat healthier, you know, more vegetables, or I got to take a walk around the block or whatever the recommendation is. They're not going to be compliant. I mean, the most it's hard to do that on your own on their own. Right. Right. I mean, you need someone to hold you accountable. They need someone to kind of, you know, they're going to have a setback. Somebody's got to catch them and kind of get them back on track. Right. And that's what this provides. Right. So there's this idea, there's this phrase, you know, you have niches that uh, leads to riches. Um, There's another one called culture eats strategy for lunch. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, when you're in a dominant culture where, you know, um, the the drumbeat is around, uh, you know, either eating fried chicken or not walking around the block and you're that one person who's trying to stand out. It's hard. There's a lot of saboteurs, right? And and just in your, could be your family. Correct. Correct. And it's hard. And then I think another thing that oftentimes people, um, uh, everyone has this challenge. It's a really a management challenge, but oftentimes the change that they're trying to make is too big. Uh, and so we really preach tiny habit changes as the secret to turning things around. So, you know, we all have the New Year's resolution, I want to lose 10 pounds by yeah. February. That's just too much. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to often do with folks is, un- you know, help people understand you don't have to eat cardboard. You know, you also don't have to do that many things. But if you go in to see a couple of doctors, you get a little bit of a plan together and that you start changing out some basic factors and we hold you accountable over time. Right. Um, then that can be very effective. So are you getting referred by the medical practitioner? Is that that's how you're getting to work with these folks and, and help them? Is that that's right? right? That's right. So right now we are a, a, a defined service and we built it really so that it can scale. Um, so that means that, you know, I know that on the same day, of the course that the same thing is going to be happening. So that builds trust with the medical community. Yeah. And then of course, um, uh, you know, getting folks to pay for this in healthcare is oftentimes the, the challenge. So we've been able to be, um, in many ways proving that this is ROI positive and the, the feedback we've heard from folks like United healthcare, as well as blue Cross, is you know, an ROI of two to one on a thousand patients is what we're looking for. So the, the medical community is not, tolerating this they're actually embracing it because there's actually there's ROI. That's right. that's right aside from mission oriented and they genuinely want to, yeah. to help people there's no there's there's the ROI you seem to be a very healthy guy I mean you're able to tuck in your shirt and everything <laughs> uh, so it Price wasn't what you preach, personal right? experience probably uh, direct what was the impetus for for going down this path as opposed to some right. other career. Well, you might have heard um, healthcare. The healthcare bill in this country just surpassed three trillion dollars. Uh, if we don't fix healthcare, wow. we're going bankrupt because the, the it's growing about three to four percent above growth of the economy, and so the bill for healthcare is being paid for by the overall economy, and the economy is not growing fast enough to pay for the bill. Um, so, if you're interested in sort of saving the country, one thing you got to think about is is healthcare. Uh, the second piece is I have a lot of. Uh, family members, you know, my father, for instance, has diabetes, and he's a really smart guy, but um, having trouble with those little nudges, uh, yeah. so getting that to work. Um, and then the third thing, just from my own personal, my own personal sort of mission, is around sort of maximizing human, maximizing human potential. And I see, unfortunately, um, a lot of the, the barriers that this country has towards, you know, I think fulfilling its potential is around getting chronic disease right. Um, we kind of vanquished a lot of the the other problems we used to have, right? No more right. polio, no more malaria. That's fantastic. But the healthcare system has to figure out this chronic disease thing because it's going to make us go bankrupt. And also, you know, we're kind of a laughingstock 
around the world. You know, the fat American, you know, Europeans basically pick out the American in the airport by looking for the fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's right. I, I just spent a little time in Italy with my, uh, with my youngest daughter and I could, I could feel being seen. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. and in many ways, you practice what you preach. All of our employees are actually losing weight. If uh, Oh, wow. That's so, great. You know. So, yeah, tell us about life at the depot. What, what's it been like, man? Yeah, so we've been on a, a, a tear, I'd like to, I'd like to think. Um, <laughs> been here about 15 months. Uh, started with two people in an office, in a closet, really. We're now up to 20. Um, wow. We're, um, uh, the depot has been a great resource for helping us both expand in terms of our office space, um, as well as start to get a little bit of uh, consistency. You know, we got this business started in like back alleys and coffee shops, that kind of thing. So now, do um, you think that um, it contributed to your growth? Do you think that if you would have just said, you know, well, let's just get an office somewhere, that you would have had a, a speedy of growth? Yeah, I mean, in many ways, I, I see the depot as fertile ground. For, for entrepreneurs, um, the flexible space, the sort of conference room concept, as well as the cachet that you get with um, some local clients. We've actually had clients from Fortune 50 um, uh, companies come here. You just here. tell them, hey, look, I, I know Devin Laney. And then they just <laughs> they roll out the red carpet, right? <laughs> I, I tell them I know Will Wright. That's the, that's <laughs> and, it, you know, it adds a lot of credibility um, for folks that are coming to visit, which is great. Um, but your customer is the... Um, the med- person in medicine, not the end user, right? Correct. Well, the, who pays us um, and who pays people in healthcare is often more complicated than it has to be. In, in many ways, why it's been such a slow to innovate right. business. But so yes. solve that one next. Well, you, after you get this thing up and running, <laughs> then you can work on that one. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but no, it's been, the depot's been great. It's 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 helpful. Um, it is in many ways the epicenter of innovation in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be part of the conversation, um, this is one place where that happens. And so um, that's been that's been great, uh, you know. Other than the parking lot being full, uh, <laughs> yeah, for you that's <laughs> right. But I get here but early enough. But it's more time it's to walk. You can walk farther, right? So that right. helps, right? <laughs> so uh, we talked a little bit about graduating companies. Is that's a little closer in the uh, in the scope for you than it is for some folks here, right? Or is that yeah. on the brain yet? Or yes. So the, the short answer with entrepreneurial things, you know, it's a time versus money question. We don't, sure. you know, you got to push these things as fast as possible because, um, you know, you got to figure out one, if it's a good idea and if it works, then you got to figure out two, are people going to pay for it? Uh, and then really in many of these things, it's growth. Now we mm-hmm. could in a couple of years, um, you know, we could, we could slow it down, but I don't think that's the ambition of either me or my, my co-founder. So, so our goal is really to, to graduate as soon as possible. But of course, oftentimes there's, there's market factors that... Now, are you self-funded or you have venture funding? Yeah, so we're self-funded. Uh, we have one angel investor. I put about $75,000 of my own money in and we got one angel investor. But we've made about a million and a half dollars to date. So um, you know that opens up the conversation with venture capitalists and we're right now about three months into what we believe is going to be a six-month process to raise. Because that's another job. It's VC dollars. Yeah, that'll be right. interesting yeah. to look to that yeah. process. Or, and, or maybe you have before, I don't know. But that. So I've gone through it uh, as part of a, a team, but mm-hmm. I've never done it sort of leading it. And, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, we're trying to raise about $3 million bucks, um, in the marketplace, and we'll see if we get there. Well, our producer, Ryan's probably good for one. <laughs> He's probably <laughs> in. <laughs> I, I think Devin's got 10 bucks. That, you know, so that, uh, uh, listen, I'll give you everything in my pocket right now. <laughs> 
All right, so where can our listeners uh, go to learn, learn more if we have, uh, I guess we're looking at physicians' offices, medical practices, hospital systems. Mm-hmm. The, uh, where insurance can they- companies. Um, so uh, PacHealth, P-A-C-K, health.com. Um, it's pretty simple. And what's on your Kindle, your nightstand? You heard us ask the other two. Yeah, so I uh, uh, just finished a book called The Road to Character by David Brooks. Uh, really good book um, that I think... A lot of folks should consider it's really about the difference between uh, the career-focused person and the character-focused person. And are you finding more people that are resonating with these more mission-driven kind of projects rather than um, just looking for these transactional, make money and get out of here and yeah. have a mansion somewhere? <laughs> Um, in the depot or just in general? Just a, I got to say under this roof, obviously I would the think in the yes. depot, but just in your own world. Well, I believe that uh, you can make money and do well by society as well. Um, and I also believe that, uh, at least my opinion is, um, you're remembered not for how much money you have. You know, the billionaire in the graveyard is still the billionaire in the graveyard, uh, but for your, for your character and your and your relationships. So uh, that's, my, uh, that's my personal philosophy. Actually, living it is hard because oftentimes the challenge is between character choices and uh, making money. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and, can I, I just want to jump in. I know that I'm not the host of the show, but I want to say something really quickly. Sure I think, now, I think you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, about culture and character of teams, and I want to say that I, I really think, I mean, both you know, obviously 2B Solutions and Pack Health, but I, I guess I see it more um, just because they're closer to me physically in the building, the Pack Health team. But those, those folks in that team, I mean, they really are, you see the culture of the company, you see it in the character of the of the, the way they interact. You see it in the in the leadership of Will and and Mozzie. I think what he's saying is right on because it you have to have that internally if you're going to grow as as fast as these guys are growing because it's messy, right? Startups are messy, and it's it's not always a perfect environment it's, and it's chaotic sometimes. And you've got to have people and leadership there that that understand that and that support that and the character and the, and the culture is all part of it. And and I think they represent it very well. Well, I started to say good luck a moment ago, but I I don't think those are the right words. I don't think you you need or or even necessarily want luck, man, but just keep up the good work. This is, uh, it's very encouraging to to the rest of us aspiring and budding (laughs) entrepreneurs. One more time, uh, the website or the best way to get in touch. Yeah. So www.packhealth.com. Um, and, uh, it's all there. So send us a note if you're interested. Well, it's been an absolute delight having you on the show, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate yes, the sir. opportunity. Thanks. Devin, what a great episode, man. Did you ever figure out what that book was that's on your, on your nightstand? I did. I went and grabbed it, actually, and I'd, I'd gotten confused. It's called Smart Cuts. It's a book by uh, Shane Snow. It's, um, it's, it's what I said earlier. It's all about how uh, innovation, you know, hacking, hackers, people that sort of are not the mainstream career path are really sort of changing the world and how it's a viable option. So it's a great book. Well, once again, and I know I speak for, for Ryan and, and Lee both, we just can't thank you enough for giving us an opportunity to, to set up shop here for the day and visit with some of your, your tenants. This is, uh, man, this beats the heck out of working, doesn't it, Lee? I know. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. Congratulations on all you've already accomplished, and uh, I hope you know we're quite sincere. We look forward to doing some more of this, and we look forward to collaborating with you in all sorts of ways we haven't even thought of yet sounds good Thank all you. right we will be back in a few from the innovation depot in birmingham